Today on the GHG Show, we're asking, what does Mass Effect have to say about racist genocide and super cops? Welcome to the Glasshouse Game Show. Not recorded in London today, we're still remote. Um, I'm Samantha, and today I'm joined by Astrid. Hello. And Matt. It's my favourite podcast on the Citadel. That's the joke everybody makes. Hey! Um, hey. We've done it. Um, Thanks for watching. and if you've managed to find this video and you aren't already subscribed, please do think about hitting that cool that cool little button you see down below. So you see more of us in the future, uh, including more Mass Effect themed jokes. Um, oh, wait, I've got an applause button, are... actually. Let me... Uh... Oh. Oh. <laughs> if, you, if, if, you, if you hit the subscribe button, we'll play it again. That's what it sounds like. Um, yeah. um, today, we are talking about it's a big one. Politics in the Mass Effect series. Um, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition obviously is out very soon. Um, by the time this comes out, it should be a few days away. Um, and we, we we wanted to talk about this, I think, because I think obviously it's a very popular series. But I think what often goes overlooked in discussions about the game is basically the politics and theming and subtext of the series because I think the things that people often care about are, I mean, to be blunt, are basically the aesthetics, which is the, the how, who's your favourite character? Who did you romance? What's Who the you representation? Um, which who's I understand. You, who's I think, your boyfriend? Is it Garrus or is it the green one? <laughs> and I don't want to be dismissive of that because i think especially when this game series came out that kind of representation was important and meaningful in a lot of ways you know i think shay and i have talked about this a lot before that for us you know when this came out there wasn't a lot of explicit queer representation in media like media full stop not just games i mean like very difficult to find that stuff and um, this us. and here was it was a, buffy and that was your lot that was it <laughs> yep and uh, and those were also like I mean Buffy and this were like oh, seven no. years apart or some <laughs> shit. So like you know your you, that is your pickings were slim. It was Buffy and, reruns. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then there was this and Buffy reruns. Yeah. Watched, and I think Sam, have you ever watched the L word? By the way, have I ever watched it? F- of course, I watched the L word. <laughs> anyway, let's not get into what fucking gay shows Sam has watched because we'll be here all day. Um. I think, like, I basically, though, and I mean, without even getting into the limits of that representation, because obviously, hey, if you're a gay woman, there's stuff in there. If you're a gay man, you got one, two options in the third game, and that's, yeah, that's you your You've got to wait lot. nearly five years to have a gay one. Um, so, you know, without even getting into the flood of that stuff, I think the thing that we want to get into is the meat of, like, um, the fact that a lot of the like role and framework and world building of the series gets overlooked in amongst that like you know i mean to, to to pick what the stuff that we're getting into i think it's like the fact that shepherd is a cop that the you know that you often work with eugenicists that you like you're ostensibly working for this political government that is basically made up of three species that rule the galaxy and most species in the galaxy don't have any political representation which is kind of fucked up. Um, and I think this stuff gets, despite being very explicit, like these these things are not like sort of the implic- the implications within the, the story. That I wouldn't say this is comparable to certain narratives where, you know, like maybe in a Marvel movie, you could say, well, the implication of like, say, Steve Rogers and Tony Stark is that they represent these political ideologies um, with varying degrees of being explicit about it. This is very, Mass Effect is very explicit about its world and its characters' roles in them. Um, And I think um, one thing to talk about in terms of their representation is that, because the games are pretty much, I think I can say without a doubt, the games are very uncritical and very positive about the existence and function of military and police forces. Um, These two entities... If they ever have any problems, and the series ever touches on them having any flaws, it is the flaws of individuals. If it's CSEC, the problem is... CSEC is the, 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 the police force on the Citadel. It's just too if much the, red if tape, a problem, you know? It, 
if well yeah so you've got two ends of the spectrum if there's a problem it's either because they're held back by all this red tape and bureaucracy meddling or there's a corrupt cop and that's it there's there is there is no analysis of of systemic issues in the game, and I think this gets painted over with a representation thing of like that that to me has always struck me, particularly as I get older, has struck me a bit more like that thing about like oh there should be more female drone pilots, and um and it's just sort of that philosophy of like how we engage with this thing because the world that Mass Effect paints, is, I mean the Alliance is a military armada i mean not even like starfleet and star trek which you could you could ostensibly argue as a peacekeeping armada concerned with exploration the alliance is very explicitly the military they engage in combat and in expansion and colonization the you start the game as like um a marine like there's not i don't think the games ever pretend that the Alliance and Shepard aren't anything other than what they are, but this... Yeah, I, I think it's, it's explicitly with the first game as well, like, you're on a covert operation. You're, you're on, a, you're on a, a specially engineered stealth ship performing a secret combat op on behalf of the interlac- intergalactic space government. You're in SEAL Team Shepard. Yeah. And, inter- and sorry, sorry, I'm going to button Interstellar... I don't think Intergalactic applies yeah. because it's all set in one galaxy, galaxy yeah, in this game. Um, I guess that gets more complicated than Andromeda. In but anyway, sorry. That is oh. that is my like very no. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. No. No. Thanks for correcting me. <laughs> for for all the people that just clicked away from the video at that, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, okay. Can I we get a little camera missing. where I'm like. No. Um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be publishing a formal apology um, in six you can see weeks. That on uh, Twitter.com uh, yeah. forward slash ghg show. We'll format it like the um, the CD Projekt Red uh, delay announcement. Yes. No. Can we can we do it like uh, can we do it like Nick Clegg apologising for uh, scrapping tuition fees? <laughs> it's just what we had to do. We had to push those five p bags. You know, there's there's no easy way to say this. Um, I said <laughs> um, anyway. You're right, though. Like it is, it's very explicit about like who you are. But but what's interesting about that is that the the aesthetics supersede the the actual explicit um, framework because what Mass Effect presents itself as is is a Star Trek idealistic um, world, and it uses a lot of the visual language and even even I would say in, in terms of the characters and tone, it borrows a lot from sort of very idealistic sci-fi like that um and and obviously there's a critical lens to view star trek through and the fact that the star starfleet absolutely is not a benevolent entity but i think even even like by comparison mass effect just has a much more explicit thing but all that gets painted over because you you see what they look like and what they sound like and how they talk about the alliance and you think oh star trek they're all here just to make peace, but your explicit goal in the in the first mission is a co-write operation to go and like murder some people. And one of the things that I think is interesting about genre framing, which is that at a certain point, if you keep using the aesthetics of things that people are familiar with, you have assumptions about how it works based on those. If you are just mm-hmm. in space and there's a lot of politics to it, you like in the back of your mind, you probably have the assumption that. The alliance works on like the prime directive or something like that, right? Like they don't want to interfere with um, worlds, whereas that's that's very strictly not true in the in the Mass Effect sense. Although you just like your familiar your familiarity with concepts makes you presume that the same things are true in different uh, media completely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my hot take is that it kind of works in a similar way to like functionally how like dog whistles work. Um, we talked about this before uh, earlier, earlier before we started uh, recording the show. But um, but you said it in such a high pitch that I couldn't hear it. Yeah, yeah, because uh, because I got excited uh, about mm-hmm. the hot take, and my voice does that thing where it goes up. But mm-hmm. um, it's because like dog whistles, like uh, for anyone who doesn't know, um, uh, uh, catch up, uh, keep up, come on. Um, uh, <laughs> there's, no, there's notes below. Notes below. Notes below. Uh, I've got. I, do you, your homework. Yep. Yeah, uh, do your homework. Google it. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et it's not um, my job to educate you, man. 
so, on, so dog so whistles. Give us your best rundown of what uh, dog whistles. I love so that because it literally is my job to educate. Yeah, you. <laughs> absolutely. It's great. It's great. It was very good. Um, so dog whistle uh, is um, it's 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 this political uh, uh, phrase that is used to describe when uh, somebody will uh, in public or in discussions with a group of people or like in any situation in which you're communicating with other people, you say something um and you 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 communicate an idea um and what you're actually intending to communicate is not necessarily what you're saying um but there is something about the content of what you are saying um which uh like which hinges on a mutual understanding of something else one of the, the biggest examples of this recently is that you'll see stickers printed everywhere that says like uh, the definition of woman is adult female human and it seems very innocuous to somebody that's just walking down the street you'd be like oh that just you know that seems like the dic dictionary definition but you're only supposed to like take into account like well why did somebody feel like it was necessary to post that somewhere right like the the sticker being stuck somewhere and having to remind people of what the definition the definition of a woman is 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 the message that they're actually trying to convey yeah like, uh, the classic ex the classic example and where the term came from i think uh, is um uh, the the, the 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 sort of old school eighties Republican argument of states' rights, right? Yeah, of you're course. arguing states' for rights the, to do what? You you like state sovereignty. States should be able to do what they want to do. But it's an argument that was always brought up within the context of uh, apartheid and the civil rights movement because it was intended as a message. Um, to to Repub uh, Republican voters who did not want to be outwardly perceived as racist, but wanted to communicate the ideas of racism, that oh, but the state should have the right to to decide on these things. Um, I.e., I think I should have the option, I and I think you should have the option to say no to this. Um, and it's the that this isn't mm, important. The this isn't it's important. The, it's, it's that you can. It's that you can. Yeah. So what's that got to do with space? So much in the same way that uh, cultural ideas are used as a sort of communicative tool to suggest things, it feels like a lot of Mass Effect, um, a lot of the opinions you can garner from like what Mass Effect is 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 presenting itself as hinges on a cultural understanding of Star Trek and what Star Trek is supposed to represent. Uh, and Mass Effect is really imbued with that sort of vibe, that aesthetic, that sort of general genre of politics in space. Uh, and you make an, an implicit, you go, oh, that's like Star Trek. So maybe they're, they're going for the same thing that Star Trek is going for here. And you just roll with it in your mind, subcon subconsciously almost. You're like, it wasn't oh. a coincidence that they used the grainy like 80s filter to the the first way that the game was presented, mm, which has yeah. been removed for the uh, the remaster. Crying for, for some reason. Um, but the I think um, I mean it's interesting to touch on that one specifically because I was I was thinking about how like I'm you know talking about aesthetics because when I what I like about Mass Effect it often comes down to the aesthetics and the feel of it and the vibe of it and that's what I like about it and it, and it's interesting the way in which that is often paved over what the game is ostensibly about and I think it's worth picking apart a little bit of the Star Trek influence because. It's easy to say, oh, it's like Star Trek, and Star Trek is shorthand for idealistic sci-fi. And you saw this recently, I feel like, with the, the new Star Treks, actually, um, where people were like, oh, it's nice to have some idealistic sci-fi on the TV. And I find this very interesting, because if you actually watch the new Star Trek, they feel very conservative. Even by the standard of, like, 90s Trek, I don't think they, they're particularly forward-thinking. Like, they, they feel, like, in a ways, in some ways, a step backwards. I was thinking explicitly about a scene in Star Trek Picard, where um, you have this scene where he goes to f hang out with these warrior nuns, and they've got a... They're, they're all female. I think they're Romulans. And... They have a boy that they have to raise, but he can't become one of them because he's a boy. And Picard's like, oh, yeah, it's hard being raised by a boy um, and, a, and a house of women. And I'm like, Picard, you're like centuries in the future. What the fuck do <laughs> yeah. you care about gender? Go back, um, go play your What do you care about flute, alien mate. gender? 
Yeah. And and so in in this way, like Star Trek has the aesthetics and has had the cultural cachet of decades of saying stating this that it is this idealistic, forward-looking science fiction. But in terms of what you actually get of Star Trek, particularly now, I don't feel that that's true. And in, and in a certain sense, that applies to Mass Effect very explicitly because I feel Mass Effect. Um, traded in the idea of Trek and idealism to present itself similarly that oh Mass Effect is this idealistic forward looking um, piece of sci-fi and it solved all the problems all of the aliens are all hanging out together clearly there's no problem some of the aliens are baddies but you know we'll, we'll work towards it we'll get there and in a certain sense, like that is true along some lines because you can look at it and go, yeah, like you're saying, Matt, like the representation was a big part of it in terms of like, oh, look, there's queer people, some queer people. There's, um, there's you know, you could Shepard can be male or female, etc. There's these examples of like that kind of representation, and that is used to pave over the bigger stuff about how that world is presented because as we've been touching on the world of mass effect is quite grim along like even so even outside of the idea of humanity as this militaristic entity you have a three-person council made up of only some species that governs the whole galaxy where the other species don't really have any political representation um that's a massive power imbalance you have a history preceding humanity about um you know the genophage is a big touching point of the whole trilogy in which they basically sterilize the entire Krogan population. Um, you know, Batarians are so underrepresented, they don't even show up for the first game. They do in the DLC, but do, yes. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, don't they show up <laughs> for you to do a genocide on them? No, they. No, that's Mass Effect 2. No, oh, Mass Effect yeah. 1, the Batarians show up. There's a terrorist organization, Batarians, who doesn't like humans, and. Okay, so I mean, this is worth getting into because the the thing about Batarians is they sort of have been trying to get a seat on the Galactic Council a bit bef- a long before humans showed up, and they hate humans because humans have showed up and for whatever reason have been ga- granted this political power that they've been they've been campaigning for for decades. And the interesting thing about how Mass Effect treats and resolves all this is basically it hinged the story the plot plot in this dlc focus on is that this guy was a terrorist and was trying to kill people to make take and you know in um in place of um political action well as another means of political action and what it f- focuses on is the that act of terrorism the larger issue of why this guy exists and why the bertarians felt that they needed to resort to like trying to take out a human colony um is very passingly touched on like the larger issue of well hold on you know because i think i think i think you'd have to be pretty i don't know what argument you could make to justify humanity getting political power and i don't think the game itself really does like i think the go toe-to-toe with the turians in a war and therefore are viewed as a political equal and that's kind of it and the krogans batarians um what are the worst thing the the drell the Hanar, like all these species, multitude, like we're not just talking about a couple of species are left out. The vast majority of species in the galaxy of Mass Effect have n- have the only political representation they have is like an embassy. Something fine. Most of them don't even have an embassy on the Citadel as well. That gets brought up, you know. And they've so got, they've got Elcor Shakespeare before they've got an, an embassy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like so this stuff like comes up where and this is explicit. This isn't like. You know, I'm reading into something. This is the very explicit narrative of the games, but the games never ask the player to really engage on that larger. And I think the thing that we're going to keep coming back to is the fact that that the, the series isn't really interested in the sort of systemic problems, even where it sort of spells those out. Like as we're talking about, you know, about political representation. One of the other things that goes hand in hand in that is that they they paint the Citadel Council as constantly. They paint them as inept. Or corrupt or self-interested and that's it that's pretty much you never see a moment where the citadel council actually takes political action that benefits the galaxy you never see a moment where they're like you know what we're going to grant amnesty to this species or we're going to help out this planet you never see them take any political everything they do in the games is painted through the lens of how are they getting in your way or how are they helping and how are they helping the wrong person and that is literally the only two kinds of actions that the citadel council do in all three games like even at the end like when it's like the reapers are here they're still only framed as a hindrance to your your progress in the games and you could absolutely make arguments that that is 
perhaps somewhat reflective of reality. Um, but it never really, it never, it, it never really sort of reconciles with like what the systemic solution to that is. Yeah, it's all, it's all, what if we replace the council or what if we ignore the council and like, it's all about what you as an individual and Shepard do. It's never about the long-term thing of like, well, how do we actually fix this? If this, if there is a political chokehold on how the galaxy is run that is not, that is so bad that it pretty much might unintentionally lead to our entire extinction. That seems like a problem you'd want to address. Yeah, what's the, the like what's the what's the overstacking the Supreme Court of uh of the council? I guess it's just put more council members on there. But yeah, how do you do that? Like is are they like I forgive me if I don't know this, but are they like the absolute arbiters of what does and doesn't happen in the entirety of the galaxy? As far as as far as like Mass Effect presents it, yes, the the Citadel Council pretty much are the three most powerful individuals in the galaxy. I don't think there's anything that implies an exception to that. I, like, we have more what's members the, of Parliament, and we're yeah. just a, like a tiny shitty island. Yeah, they have. You have one representative from each, from one of three species who gets to have the final say on a whole raft of galactic. I think ostensibly is, the set this. The Citadel is sort of similar, I would say, to you might argue in terms of the role, something like the UN or the EU or something. They're sort of this joint body that overrules like several governments. Like so you so you would say that probably Earth has local government decides how things are run on Earth, etc. But in terms of the larger galactic affairs, that is decided by three people in that one room on the Citadel. Um and this is this is like well, I didn't the bloody vote for him. <laughs> And um, the great thing about this is, like, as far as far as I can tell, as well, they're voted for by like, um, like I think the alliance representative is voted for by like the admiral board or whatever of the alliance. Like, it's all your military officers who get to decide who's the representative. So, and they're all taking great. kickbacks from uh, you know private military contractors and uh, arms dealers. Yeah. So, <laughs> but like. You know, and like the the um, you know, like Udina, who is so in the the end of the end of Mass Effect One, the choice you have between political representative of the council for humans is either Udina or um, um, oh my God, what's your what's his name? Keith David's character, Anderson. Uh, Keith, yeah. Keith David. And <clears throat> just you've got to pick between the the strange Scottish Canadian man and 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 Keith David, and. The thing about it is, like the 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 po- they they don't have any politics, right? Anderson doesn't have a political platform. Udina doesn't have a political platform. The way they're framed is, one helped you and one didn't. Mm. The larger ramifications of who deserves to be in charge of a galactic government, and then depending on your choices, at the end of Mass Effect One, humans maybe make up the bulk of the political power because I mean, Mass Effect basically. Sp- Spells out the flaws of this government in a, in, a, in a very practical sense when the three people that run the galaxy get killed in one battle. Um, you know, like you can save them, but like you could also be killed in one battle. And then the and then like three entire species civilizations are without political representation on a galactic scale and are vulnerable now to the political authority of humans. I mean. That seems like a terrible political yeah. system. But it's early and days, you know. They've only existed for a couple, like, millennia, right? Like, that's that's nothing. <laughs> um, and I think um, you go into Mass Effect 2, and I think Mass Effect 2 sort of is a sort of dark entry in the trilogy, and is all like, ah, you now you have to work with Cerberus. The Council won't help you. They're bureaucratic. They're all covered in red tape. They're not interested in helping you. They were just using you as a political tool. And here's Cerberus. They've brought you back from the dead. And now you have to work with them. They're this human first organization. Um, and I think, again, it speaks to sort of the surface level stuff because obviously what it's going for is like, ah, you have to make this deal with the devil so that Shepard can go and thwart this galactic threat. But it's very manufactured. Shepard doesn't actually ever really make a choice and the player has never posited a choice about whether you want to work with Cerberus or even explore what the alternatives are. By the time that you get you get back in touch with Anderson and he's like, yeah, the council aren't really going to help you out with anything. Um, you've already decided to work with Cerberus. They've already given you the norm, the new Normandy, etc. So the idea of like, how do you want to engage with that system? Like the game explicitly has sidestepped a big 
political problem for like Shepard, like of who you're working with and who's resourcing your like thing. It's just like, well, you don't really have a choice. Don't think about it. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine a version of the game's development where they like initially gave you the opportunity to say no, and then like Shepard needs to like take the bus to all of his missions. <laughs> Like, that would be great yeah. like shepherd um just like fucking ferried around i mean that is a th- that that is a better game mm. where shepherd has to deal with like okay what happens when i don't just get fucking yeah. infinite military resources to go and play super cop around you've played the uh, you've played cart life yeah yeah I, I would love the mass effect it. version of cart life right? not like, <laughs> you still got to solve all of these crimes but like i mean there's an interesting game how do you if you if imagine being a you know a regular joe and the mass effect universe who doesn't have reams of um political power and no oversight and you are the person that's got to stop the reaper threat and you just work you in a quasar and- parlor yeah like what the fuck do you do like you're just like sitting trying to get a petition going on on like fucking change.org mm. about like hey please change please get this change, change please get the to look into these disappearances on the edge of space um but it's but the, the, the thing about it like in terms of Cerberus is like they wanted you the manufacturers thing where they want you to engage with this idea of like this deal with the devil and the people the political compromises you have to make without ever actually interrogating the politics of it you know like it's mass effect is very much interesting this comes back to what we're saying about when the series started and these these star trek aesthetics again in mass effect 2 it's very concerned with the the aesthetics of these things and seeming like the darker and more complex installment when ostensibly tonally it's really just about you hanging out with your ship full of lovely war criminals like you know they introduce morden who is explicitly a genocidal war criminal um a eugenicist he is funny though isn't he but he's funny he does he does he does the musical remember and um and the i think at the time obviously i i really i fucking love mass effect and i, I love this but I, I now that i'm older you and it's similar to the fact that they make you work with with Cerberus. It's like, what's the authorial intent here? Like, if they if they've created a character who is a genocidal, eugenicist, war criminal, and they're making him likable and charming and all this stuff, is the is the intention the most generous reading I feel you could make of it is that they are trying to obscure the issue and make you have to interrogate like. Oh look, but there's a real person who did these things, and how do you engage with that? You know, and again, focused on the individual, the game is never interested in the systemic. But like, I don't feel that that generous reading largely holds up because I think the game is very clearly wants you to care about Morden and his story and subplot is all framed around what happens to him, and it's not really interested in hey, what happened to the entire? I mean, presumably billions of people that his actions had a far-reaching effect on their culture, society, you know, mortality, everything. Yeah, and also, I, 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 uh, going back to something else you touched on with like what, what com, what conflicts if any you have with Cerberus while you're like taking all their resources and working for them ostensibly uh i'm pretty sure like the only pushback you can give really early on is well my ship's gonna be staffed with aliens because i'm an inclusive mm-hmm. captain <laughs> and it is the more women drone pilots yeah. bullshit isn't more it alien it's, war like, criminals. Like, literally the framing everything through uh morden's experience just reminds me of the like the promising young man situation where you know there's a forgiveness of any like crimes or whatever they would do because of like oh they'll go on to do great things but not Mm. impact not thinking about all of the people that have been impacted and didn't go on to do anything interesting because of the like the experience that they went through like all of the people in like you know we work in games right like that uh there's a massive problem with harassment and like sexual discrimination and whatever um and it's always framed in a um, you know, why would you ruin this person's career and not a, like, how many people didn't get to have a career? So it's like, it's all, yeah. the, the story of Morden is about his um, coming to terms with his crimes and getting over them and his story about how sad he is and not, like, what about the fucking Krogans? What about the Krogans that didn't get to do anything, that didn't get to just hang out on Tachanka?
So I think we've been talking about militarism and policing and government, um, which are these sort of components that Mass Effect ostensibly engages with, but doesn't really do so in an in-depth level. It's all framed around how this affects you as an individual. Um, and I think another thing that falls into this trap, another big sub, um, a big theme um, of the of the trilogy is um, is racism, which um, fall, falls into this a typical sci-fi convention trope of basically manufacturing racism between aliens and using that as a stand-in for real-world racism, using this as the most generous interpretation I think you could have of it is that it is a abstraction to allow people to engage with it and the absurdity of it removed from the real-world context. But I think often that abstraction basically undermines it often because it's abstracted. So the relationship between it and the real world sort of becomes obscured. Um, but I think the other factor of this, and particularly in Mass Effect, and it comes back to what we've been saying, is that a lot of this comes down to individuals versus systemic. Um, there's a great piece um, on BlackSciFi.com by Ryan Files talking about the way in which um, the game constantly frames racism as an issue of individuals. That um, you know, it's what one person says versus what, what anything that's systemic. You know, a larger social cultural problem. And um, there's a quote from the piece I'm going to read out, which is, for example, in Mass Effect One, the Asari, Turians, and Salarians oversee the governmental system. In Mass Effect Four, Andromeda, only the Asari, Turians, Salarians, humans, and Quarians get to have giant ships that leave to explore a new galaxy. There is an underlying racial and racial balance that control these things that happen, and the racial motiv motivations of characters could be a lot more defined than than the overt option of "I don't like your kind." Um, I think it speaks to the fact that any time that you encounter issues of racism in the Mass Effect series, it's always one person. Even when there's an organization, Cerberus is. Cerberus as a racist organization is framed entirely through the elusive man's um, like opinions, like that he is Cerberus. Like there, there's no other that you don't see what the the organization as a whole really how they operate or think or whatever. Yeah, like outside of outside of like this, outside of the Cerberus soldiers that you fight in, like I think a couple of side quests in the first game, like most of the first people you're introduced to has like named characters who are from cerberus are kind of just like yeah i don't know i just work here type yeah people. i mean miranda like for instance miranda works for cerberus and we don't you sort of interrogate her and obviously there's a whole redemptive thing about like oh she eventually decides you know what i don't want to work with cerberus but that's never framed through like is is Miranda does Miranda fucking hate aliens? That the basically Shepard never really just asks her that and figure we never get an insight into what Miranda thinks and why she's part of this organization. It's consistently framed like, oh well they're just doing their job, you know, like, you know, you know, and I think um just Kelly like at some point says something about like, oh, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Like I remember a line of dialogue from her. Yeah, and it's like, and this obviously has, I think this speaks to a lot of stuff about the real world and with the way we, we stuff, we talk about systemic issues and say, oh, it doesn't matter that this institution or organization's bad, there's probably good people in there, you know, and we constantly use this to deflect from criticism. And in a way, Mass Effect 2 also does this to deflect from an obscure criticism of the fact that you're working with this humans first organization and all all the all the blatant like racism and problems that entails like all that stuff is obscured in favor of oh well you need to work with them and you know and and the main thing about mass effect is you the game wants you to like the people you're around Mass Effect isn't interested in, like, like for instance, the version of Mass Effect 2 I would have loved to see is, yeah, you've got to work with Cerberus, you've got to take their ship, and your entire staff of Cerberus people are fucking awful. Mm -hmm. Like, what would that game look like where it's like, you, you, your alien buddies on board are like, hey, Shepard, I, I want to help you save the galaxy, but your fucking, your, like, your, your officers, your pilots, all these people that are on staff, they fucking suck and they keep giving me shit. Like, yeah. I don't want to work And how does that influence like, the decisions of people that otherwise, like, that you interact with? Like, what people that you're on a mission to save, like, don't want to get on board your ship? Like, how much more difficult yeah. would it be as a result of the, like... They, the they do have a... They touch on a little bit. They have a whole thing about Cadence, like, oh, or Ashley, depending who survives Vormeyer, but it should be Caden. Um, is like, hey, I don't want to work with you because you're working with Cerber Cerberus and that sucks and that moment 
also feels very manufactured because you don't have a choice. There's not a moment where Shepard can go, you know what, you're right, I should stop working mm. with them. And it's even more redundant because the argument for why you wouldn't is because you're like, well, I need the resources. But at the end of Mass Effect 2, you leave anyway. Well, you still need their resources, arguably. So, like, and then you just go to the Alliance who give you all the resources. So, like, it doesn't even, like, square out, like, even within just done that. In the world. Could it have just, just done, done that the first time, mate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, exactly. So, they, they clearly, so if we take it at face value, the game is blatantly saying Shepard could have left at any moment and didn't. And the game and also what does isn't say about interested. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, if you take that, like, Shepard's awful. Shepard, like, even if you play the Paragon version of Shepard through Cerberus and you're reluctantly, you could say that Shepard's just trying to save face. Like, mm -hmm. that's the reading that you could have on that. Shepard's like, oh, no, I don't want to work with Cerberus. I've just got to, you know? I think a lot about how the proximity to wealth and resources has an impact on your perceived morals, that your ability to not shop at Primark or wear shoes that have been made with sweatshop labor allow you to be perceived as, you know, as a good person. But these are choices that aren't presented to people that are on a lower economic strata. Um, yeah, even down to like, like, ve like veganism being like, perhaps a, 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 a good idea in the long run, but mm -hmm. uh, like, most unattainable for a lot of people. Being, yeah. Yeah. Like, like co-op dropping the prices of their vegan meat alternatives to match the price of meat being this big news story mm -hmm. recently in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and thinking about like how, yeah, Shepard gets to be a paragon and make all of these like morally mm. weighty decisions only because of his proximity to power and resources. Like is just, yeah, that's something that the game, you know, out of necessity because there's no game really if he'd like has to take the bus, like I said earlier in the show. But it doesn't really track with that at all. It doesn't really think about that at all. I think, like, in terms of Shepard's programming, I mean, you can you can definitely read Mass Effect 2 in a way that, like, like I say, you could make the argument that what it's going for is, like, well, what does Shepard do when they have to make compromises, when they don't have the luxury of being a paragon and, and just being more, that they have to, you know, they need military resources, they need to just fight the Reapers, what do they have to do? But again, as we've said, the game basically points out that they don't, they never had to, basically, which makes it retroactively, and I'm not even talking about Mass Effect 3 painting it backwards, I'm talking about the conclusion of Mass Effect 2 is you can walk away from Cerberus. So if you could always do that, then it means that you the reason that Shepard didn't prior was because they didn't want to. And, and I think a really a yeah. really clear and blatant uh, uh, thing that needs to be said is that like Cerber one of Cerberus's big uh, slogans is humanity first, and that is drawing a very direct comparison to some like explicitly fascistic organizations from like the history of the real world so th there's no there's no beating around the bush that this is these are, yeah, these I mean, are bad dudes you know yeah i mean that's that's explicitly tied in with like um white supremacist and nationalist organizations like very clearly drawing a parallel with them so you know like so shepherd working with these people is like super gross and the game and and again this comes back to what i was saying about like er earlier with like um, morden is like what's the authorial intent like if they're if they're wanting you they're for, they're manufacturing this reason why shepherd would have to work with these people why would they want you to do that? Why? What is the the reasoning and the authorial intent between like, oh, you have to work with, you know, you have to work with some racist, fascist people to get the the job done? Because yeah, it doesn't make the the narrative that they're trying to sell any more complicated. Like it's just no. a, a choice that is at the upfront that makes it seem like there's more stakes to everything that's happening, but doesn't really get. Um, I mean, Shepard's mission doesn't change. You're you're out to stop the Reapers. They're an existential threat to the galaxy. Shepard, uh, Cerberus are just another tool to get you there, and that's it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't alter the mission at all. It just changes the, how you get there slightly. Yeah, um, it introduces concepts without them really having any particular weight. Yeah, big time. And I think this is a thing that we see again and again in Mass Effect that they engage, they bring up topics, say. Um, the genophage or racism or you know whatever um topic they decide to throw in the plot which seems on the face of it these big real world heady topics that you can you can engage with and find nuance and complexity but ultimately boils down to 
it's all about an individual. So they like you just pick the genophage, which is the undercurrent of the whole trilogy. It's like it, the the question of was the genophage a good th- or bad thing basically boils down to do you like Morden or not, <laughs> and that's the way in which the game engages with it. Mm, There's true. no the larger question of who sanctioned Morden, who sanctioned the original genophage. We know I know there's answers to this. I know that you, if you're in. If you're listening or watching, I know the answer is the council ostensibly sanctioned all of this at one point. But like it does engage to me with like, okay, so if the political framework is the thing that just allowed this to happen and take place, does that not suggest that there's a pro if you as Shepherd disagree with the genophage, which is an option that they do allow you to express, does that not imply that the the system is broken and corrupt and needs r- replaced with something um fairer and better? But the game doesn't want to ask those big questions about its world building. It's very much a thing of you are out to preserve the status quo from the threat of the Reapers, and that's pretty much any radical change to how the galaxies run in the course of this is neither here nor there. I was about to bring up a weird example, um, but it might not be true because it might be something that you can't do. Can you um, can you take Legion onto the flotilla? Like, is that possible? Yes. Mm. And no, does anybody say anything? There, I think there's comments. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that as I'm far as it to... goes? Like nobody is. Sorry, like... it's been so long. Mm-hmm. I think it's been. Oh, it's been a while since I've played, and I think part of the quirk of how they do it and the structure of the game is that basically you will go on Tally's loyalty mission before you meet Legion, mm-hmm. so you probably won't be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm fairly sure you can. I don't. I don't remember. Um, I mean, I'm going to Google it right now. Must be Legion on Flotilla. So because the, the point that I was going to make was that yes, you can. And there's just, as I remember, yeah, there's just comments from, like, NPCs, like, oh, I guess, here. But you can't actually, it doesn't meaningfully change yeah, anything. That's so that weird. seems quite a, a subdued response. Yeah. Oh, no, the, the reason that I can't go home is hanging out in my, in my ship. Oh, look at this guy. Look at this guy here. He represents the reason I can't take this fucking mask off. Like, um, like, like, I was thinking as well about like um, at the end of the first Mass Effect, if you bring Rex along with you to the final mission, and at the end there's a choice where you're asked whether you want to save this, the counselor or not, and each of your companions voices an opinion. And if you bring Rex, Rex is just like, oh, you, you can't waste any ships saving them, right? It's a very pragmatic response. And it sort of speaks to what the choices in Mass Effect are about. But it was interesting to me because I'm like, surely Rex's entire thinking in this situation should be colored mm. by... Hey, this is the organization that could, that sanctioned genocide on my people. Mm-hmm. I probably say let that, them fucking actually? die. Is he, yeah, he does. He, yeah, I mean, it's common knowledge that the mm-hmm. the council greenlit, like, yeah, the gen, yeah, you know, like it's common knowledge who. I mean, probably not individually who did it and how the it happened. I think they imply the structure that, that the council represents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who who, just, who gave the greenlight in it is very. I'm just trying to imagine, knowledge. like, for Rex, like somebody that's been hanging out on the Citadel for years, like knowing that he's at the seat of power of people that decided that his entire civilization needs to collapse. Is like, what the fuck would that do to you? That's so yeah. interesting, and it goes like I mean, kind of explored a little bit, but like not I mean, very heavily. That, that's that's sort of where like Rex is for me has always been like the most interesting character in this series. Because one thing that I do think they do right with him is he very much has his own story. Basically, mm. he unlike a lot of characters who basically are just they're doing stuff until you show up, and then you're the most important person again. Rex is the only person who, when he leaves your he he comes with you because it's convenient for him and his goals, and then he leaves when other things come up, and he doesn't come back. Like and in a, a sense, you are there in Mass Effect Three to help him as much as he's there to help you. And I think they they do at least interrogate the idea of like Rex does care about this stuff, and he does express like deep cynicism for the Council and other species and stuff. Um, that I think is completely justified. But but it's it's pretty much a little flavor, right? It's a little bit of like personality for Rex. The game doesn't ever really want you to sit down and have a conversation. Like, there's no conversation where Rex is like. Hey, dude, you know, Shepard, my pal, maybe you shouldn't work for the council, these mm. massive fascists. Um, maybe that's the thing, you know, that you shouldn't do. Like, you, they never have that discussion. And you don't have that kind of discussion with a lot of characters. You brought up, like, Legion. 
and the, the tension between them and Tally, they do interrogate this, but again, it comes down to individuals. Like, yeah, and Le- it exposes the, have- the impossible moral decision of continuing with the rest of the game, right? Like, them not presenting that choice to you because you would have to say yes, otherwise you're awful right like wh- whichever kind of character that you're playing and then you can't play the rest of the game that they designed like so by yeah. not broaching the topic they're almost like um they're also admitting that yeah, yeah. if they gave you the choice you would have to like morally you would have to yeah, stop yeah, working with all these organizations and um, but that that to me would be an interesting story like that's, yeah. that's the that's the fun thing about them not engaging with it is like actually it's a really interesting idea it was actually funny to me because when I'm, andromeda was sort of in the early days and they put out an initial trailer and stuff i remember actually looking back this is obviously not what they were intending but the initial trailer shows this like um N7, you know, and the, this guy, this this dude in the, the classic N7 armor um going through these planets. There's uh, some Johnny Cash playing, um, and then they, they, they pull out the gun, they're just, they're like this gun totting, like lawbringer coming to the frontier of this new galaxy throwing down. But the way it's framed weirdly, I assumed when I watched that trailer, they were actually the villain. And in the the final game, the character in that armor is your father. And I actually thought if Andromeda was going to frame this, where actually the course of your character was actually about you realizing this colonization effort that you're part of is probably morally bankrupt, and you can't justify coming into a new ecosystem and these indigenous um, species and taking over their galaxy. You know, you're an invasive species, and actually, it was going to be a conflict where you basically have to go against um, the Andromeda Initiative. That's not at all what happened. <laughs> but um, but there was a moment where I was like, "Fuck!" Is that's the thing they could have done? And I guess this applies retroactively to Mass Effect, where you're, there's almost an there's almost a version of this where actually the arc of Shepard is realizing that all the obstacles and things that are getting in the way and leading to the 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 demise of this galactic civilization aren't just to do with the existential threat of the reapers and actually they need to like disengage with these political systems and create alternatives you know that's a really good and interesting story but because that's not what the game is ended for all this stuff gets boiled down to individuals you know like the resolution between tally and legion isn't a societal systemic thing it's about tally and legion realizing they kind of get on and then that's enough like it's this very shallow interpretation of like how to resolve these issues well if these two people can get on then that's it there's no there's no yeah, problem if we do it on know? a micro scale then we can just stretch out if every everybody on the flotilla can meet one geth and just hold hands then that will no, solve it. that's that's it you know and um and there's a there's a naivety to all of that 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 also is like sort of colored by the fact that the game's are kind of quite like weirdly centrist and cynical i don't we were playing our the first game recently astrid and one of the things that surprised me that i'd forgotten is how often the game gives you an option to be really fucking racist and oh yeah really middle of the road about like big you know like you can like you can just approve of genocide in the games and now obviously you can see ah the game is presenting interesting choices to the player but the but the sort of but the thing about this is if you're going to do that you need to do that critically right now I was thinking about a game that's much better written and much more engaged in this is Disco Elysium which we talk about a lot. It's going to Disco be my Elysium example that I bring say. up. Yeah, at yeah. least Kim has yeah. something to say, right? Yeah, if you do if you do shitty things in that game, there's pushback to the point that basically um, Kim Kisaragi and 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 that who's you you know in Disco Elysium you play as this police officer and your your partner is um, Kim Kisaragi and he basically is your moral compass in a lot of ways and as you sort of if you go down a line of being racist or fascist or whatever you get pushback from him and to the point that there's a there's a crucial point mid-game where basically you can you're, you can totally break your relationship with this character um which and it's funny because it hinges in a certain way on a lot of the things that mass Effect plays on because the reason that you are you are probably motivated to make to be a better person and be morally um conscious is because you want to get on with kim kim is likable kim's the only person who's got your back He's and so hot. the game yeah so the game is encouraging using the tools that mass effect does to actually engineer you to pick the right option in a lot of ways mass effect sort of does this in a certain way but it doesn't a much shallower way or where it's really about you looking after individuals and stuff it doesn't really want you to it is, for instance when those options of like racist stuff there's not a point where like 
it's all in a vacuum. Like if you're racist with one person in a conversation, it stays in that little bubble. There's not a moment later where Rex was like, hey, I'm fucking leaving. I saw what you said. Fuck you. Like that moment doesn't happen. And Actually, I, I think about the moment with the, uh, the Semini supremacist when you like, you say something that agrees and with him. And him. Yeah, sorry. Um, and then Kim like gives you like a, a look and you say like, no, this is for the thing. Uh, and then the like the supremacist is like, no, you you actually really have to believe in the thing that I'm telling you, otherwise I won't let you through. And like it it says that like the entirety of the opinions that you have have to continue past the conversations that you have, mm-hmm. almost as if the conversations are proof of the morals that you hold, rather than just you know tiny little fractions of conversations where you believe only what you believe on, only up until the moment that it's relevant or that it stops being relevant, which is. Mm. that's mass effect it's just you know you say the thing that is the one that is on the left side of the screen or the right side of the screen depending like, on oh hey hey who you are. hey no you, you thought you thought you could just say this and then forget that you said it yeah. and just just ignore that no no nah, can't do that anyway sorry disco elysium's pretty good yeah. game <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the I think we'll be talking about the way that um, Mass Effect approaches these these things in conversations. Obviously, they do have a system that has far-reaching effect throughout the trilogy, which is the Paragon versus Renegade thing, which is basically how they apply. Now, ostensibly, the Paragon Renegade thing isn't good or bad, but it basically is. Um, and the fact that it's fuzzy about that actually even further complicates it because it sometimes definitely is a good bad thing. And sometimes it's kind of not. And sometimes it's very confused. The game's expression of what it considers good and bad is really fucked. Um, and this framework exists throughout the games. Um, so you you make choices about, like, yeah, there's certain choices that are framed as Paragon and Blue and Red again and Red. And they ostensibly are about being idealistic versus prag- ruthlessly pragmatic is how the game might generously um, frame it. But it nonetheless applies this like moral view of pretty much everything you do, and is consistently like, you know, like um, you know, there's there's easy stuff about like yeah, some you know, save save the council or let them die is framed as the, the save them is the paragon thing, the good thing, let them die is the renegade bad thing, and there's sort of a pragmatic level to that. But there's obviously, especially once you know that you can do both, like you don't try to save them and there's a consequence. You actually can't, and you actually just got everyone killed. That's not a consequence. It really is just you can do whatever you want, basically. Um, um, but it does use to frame that. And I think the fact that, that there's moments where it doesn't apply a pragmatic thing also comes down to it. Like the choosing between Kate and Ashley, it doesn't use the Paragon Renegade thing. So clearly there's that acknowledges that doing so would have Im- implied a moral judgment about who is worth saving. So it doesn't do it because it's like it wants you to consider these equal. And... Um, I think this framework, and it's been it's a problem in a lot of Bioware games. They did That's drop it. That's fucked, actually, thinking about it. Come to think of it. Well, like, the, yeah, the, the whole moral framework. It's the no, game I mean, in that specific you, instance, it's like, oh, you want the you want the racist or the kind of nice boy? Like, the, <laughs> one of them isn't Oh, a, but Caden's like, boring, so, yeah. you know, like... Um, that's like, that's and, not even a trolley problem, right? Like, it's not even, you get, you get, like five racists versus one nice boy like is it more important to have more people right like it's just it's literally apples to apples yeah and i think that 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 um that dichotomy between um obviously terrible thing and thing that isn't great but is better than the obviously terrible thing leads quite nicely into the justification this whole game gives to to explain away it's weird everything everything yeah you're you're um, trying. You have to save the galaxy from the existential threat. The Reapers, who it's are going to wipe out all galactic civilization. Therefore, everything you do is justifiable. How convenient! Nah. Um, the, it, the game is having to manufacture consent. It, it's the, this what's happening. It's like it's like yeah, you know, this it's quite bad that you're like punching news reporters in the face and kicking people out of like skyscraper and working windows with and working with eugenicists for criminals. But like the Reapers are much worse, right? Yeah, and 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 I I know some people are like, oh yeah, but that you know that's the plot, and you're just reading too much into it. But I think this this is a common narrative framework, particularly in recent years. I you can point to a lot of popular culture that uses this kind of thing. You know, like Marvel did it with the the Avenger movies and stuff. And I think 
the the problem with this is that that is the same argument that real world organizations use to justify increased expenditure and um, increased authority you know you've seen this with the police with the military and with government this is how they justify the at best morally dubious uh, um, most likely just completely evil actions that they do is to go oh well if we don't do this these worst people will do something else um, and you know that other that negligible that that sort of threat that they can um, make alien is always very like nebulous um, um, and then similarly in Mass Effect like the Reapers aren't a real thing until they show up Mass Effect 3 in a lot of ways. Um, or, the, or, or ostensibly at the end of Mass Effect 1. And Shepard just uses this to justify everything they do. And it's a very compelling narrative, right? Because the game presents the, the stakes of the Reapers as very real for you as the individual Shepard. Um, it's so an it's, episode of 24. Of you know, you've got you to, like, the you nuclear gotta, bomb's going to go off. You've got to put a, you've got to shove a towel down a man's throat and rip out his stomach lining. Well, you have to threaten to. That scene always bothered me because it's like he can't tell you the information while he has a towel down his throat. Yeah, exactly. So you just have to say that you're going to do it. Like, yeah. And, um, you know, like, it's a, it's, a, it's a device that you use to justify everything because the scale of it is so obscene. Like, you know, all yeah. everyone dies if I don't do this, so therefore everything is justifiable. It's the it's the neoliberal fantasy where the um, mm. the existential other that you're using to justify all of your um, heinous decisions uh, is real, actually, turns out. Um, and I think what plays into this is what the game is actually concerned about. We've talked about a lot of the political like spectrum of what Mass Effect, how it doesn't tap into the bigger issues. And I think a lot of that is down to the fact that what Mass Effect is really interested in is making your choices feel important. I don't, and making you ostensibly as a as a shepherd make you feel important. Games um, are about feeling powerful and getting your way. And that is what Mass Effect, and when people praise that, they're like, oh yeah, the choices really felt like they had consequences and stuff. And I think to a certain degree, that is true. Like they, they, they did a thing of there's a through line between the trilogy, your consequences, your actions definitely have consequences. But, there, but there's a second part to that questioning of like criticism of like, okay, but what were the consequences and what were the choices? And like, what does that actually say about the game and what it cares about? And... The thing is, your choices are, as we've discussed, are ostensibly always about individuals. You know, going against Cerberus isn't really about the larger issue of humanity's existence and how they engage with other species and exist in the galactic community. It's about the elusive man is a dickhead, so fuck him. Um, allowing Morden to undo the genophage isn't about addressing the political system that allowed it to take place. It's about did you like Morden or not? And do you want them to have a wee redemption? Um, and I I think like so much of the choice is about this. They, they attach these big weighty themes because it makes them feel more important and headier and more, you know, in line with like big, big idea science fiction. But in terms of how you actually engage with them and what the ramifications are, they're very individualistic. It's very about... Mm you and your mate and or you and your boss and it's never really the larger scope of ramifications for choices that affect the entire galaxy are never really taken into account you know like how you know the average joe what they think of like hey remember when shepherd allowed our entire government to die you know or like remember when shepherd destroyed that entire colony because they needed to stop the reapers well maybe you they know? don't find out because the only journalist that gets an interview with you gets punched in the face every time they try and speak <laughs> yeah God. but if you're a friend um, of the press the best thing that you can possibly do subscribe to the Glasshouse Games channel and like this video and leave us a comment with what you think about Mass Effect's terrible politics. Yeah, yeah, go subscribe to That's our That's the Patreon kind of people we are. If, yeah. you're, if you're morally lucky enough to give us money, um, mm -hmm. uh, it would be the ethical thing to do. Yeah. Also, if you subscribe to Patreon, you can see our little friend Kit playing a Bioware game. We're not going to tell you which one. That's a surprise. You'll have to watch it to find Ooh. out. That's our latest episode of Persuasion Check. Um... It's a good one. I'm really, I really like it, and I think our choice of what bioRPG we picked for Kit to play may surprise you. Um, 
Um, and as for our people that are patrons that currently support us and have been supporting us for the months, thank you so much. Like, thank you for um, giving your money to us and making sure that we can keep doing what we're doing. Like, um, it's been great hearing from you, um, and I hope you're enjoying the content. We've got more on the way and stuff. Um, so thank you so much for your support. It honestly keeps the lights on, keeps us doing what we're doing. And thank you as well to my 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 co-host today Astrid and Matt thank you so much for taking this political roller coaster through the Mass Effect series um and thanks oh, to the worst kind of roller coaster the worst kind of roller coaster <laughs> <laughs> if kids if you go to the theme park and there's a political roller coaster just don't don't bother just, just go do. Um, I'm trying to imagine go, what a centrist go do space mountain like. instead. It's just like it's nah. just a completely flat track. <laughs> <laughs> well, too much excitement in either direction would upset the market. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, right. Well, thank you, and thank you to Ket for making sure that nothing exploded in this entire episode, and thanks to Dan C. Parks for the music. I'm Samantha, and we'll talk again soon.